This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamecom slash donate. Thank you for listening. The scripture that was read came from 2 Peter, the third chapter. The reading was from the third through the ninth verse. And I'll read it again so that we are all kind of in sync with the spirit of the text. The Apostle Peter says this. Know this first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. In other words, we've been saying all of this for so long that he's coming. Where is it? When they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. That should frighten some people. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years. In a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Verse 4 says again, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. In other words, Everything is just the same and nothing has changed since the beginning of creation. Where is he and when is he coming? He promised he would. All this time, where is God? Where is Jesus? After all this big old promise, where is he? Because everything has continued ever since it started. The question carries with it this sense of cynicism in that all this talk about Jesus coming soon is starting to feel a bit stale. Every time something happens in the world, whether it be a tsunami or an unusual earthquake or a monster hurricane or a 9-11 type event or even an eclipse in the skies, there seems to be plenty of voices that come out of the woodwork predicting that this is it. This is the end of the time. This is it. I don't know how many people have made predictions about the end of the world. But what I do know is that there is no shortage of these prophets who emerge at the slightest provocation. So there is a sense that we've all heard this before, preacher. We've all seen this before, preacher. So what else is new? Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, everything continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. So we know what it's like to wait. We know what it feels like to have an expectation of something that as time progresses, the likelihood that it will never happen seems to be more and more and more real than not. We also know what it's like to lose faith. And we know what it's like to just plain give up. Well, today I want to speak about maintaining hope and faith in something that seems 
to be taking just a little too long <laughs> to come to pass. I want to talk about how to stay the course, especially when everyone and everything points to just simply throwing in the towel and calling it a day. Well. And when all hope seems to be lost, I want to speak a message that I've titled very simply, By His Word. Yeah. By His Word. Let us pray. Father, it is by your word that the heavens were created. It is by your word that light came in. It is by your word, O oh God, that you transformed darkness into this marvelous light. And it is by your word that we have hope and we have faith and that we have strength in all that you have said. It is by your word that the deaf hear. It is by your word that the lame walk. It is by your word that you turn even water into wine. It yeah. is by your word. Well, well, well. And so, Lord, it will be by your word yeah. that we will make it to the other side. Yeah. It will be by your word that today we will be better than we were yesterday. It is by your word and only your word. So speak, Lord, through this preacher, by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Somewhere, and I got no business talking about this, but I'm going to talk about it. Somewhere in the third trimester, when a woman is close to giving birth, she experiences a bit of fatigue that tends to make her want to just have the baby already. <laughs> How do I know this? Because she tells me. <laughs> there is a sense that the approximately nine-month period has been going on for way too long, and now it's just time to let it go. Well. The wait was tiring, and now she needs to see the end result. And this feeling brings along with it much anxiety. Just have the baby already. A student takes an exam for entry into a new school, and the results of that exam will not be ready for another two weeks or so. By the time it gets to a week and a half, the student begins to feel very impatient and wants to know the test results right now, immediately, so that they can know what will be happening with their future. Yeah. The wait was exhausting, and now the student needs to know the end result. Like the expectant mother, this feeling brings along with it much anxiety. In these two examples that I've just given you, the, the thing that is common in both of these cases is time. Time is a thing that is common to both of these cases. That was the real problem. The great problem was time. Whether the wait was nine months or even two weeks didn't really matter. All that mattered was when is this thing going to actually happen. Yeah. But the other thing that is common in both of these cases is the simple fact that whether the wait was nine months or whether the wait was two weeks, and even though they did not know the exact date of when this thing would happen, each person knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that what they were waiting for was eventually going to happen. The wait may be long. You may be tired in the waiting, but you are convinced 
without a shadow of a doubt that you're going to have that baby or you're going to get your results. The wait may be painful, but you have no doubt that what you're waiting for will happen. The mother had no doubts because she had tangible evidence of the baby in her womb. The baby was there. It's tangible. You can see it, well, on a sonogram. You can, she could feel it. So there is physical evidence that the baby is there. She knows it, she sees it, and while the wait is long and you're tired and exhausted, you know without a shadow of a doubt that baby is going to come. The proof that the when was going to happen was tied to the reality of the baby. There could be no doubt that the promise of a child or even the promise of the exam results would eventually manifest themselves because the evidence was there. You can't deny the evidence. It's there. So what about the promises of God? What can we physically point to that could serve as some kind of indicator that what God has promised will actually come to pass. Where is the physical evidence that what God has promised is going to come to pass? Because we're sure about the baby. We know it's supposed to come, but we can see the physical evidence. So God, when it comes to your promises, point us to the physical evidence that will let us know that what we are waiting for will come to pass. And so this leads us to three points. We're going to talk about God's word. We're going to talk about God's time. And we're going to talk about God's timing. Three things we're going to talk about this morning and then we go home. We're going to talk about God's word. We're going to talk about God's time. And we're going to talk about God's timing. So let's start with God's word. By looking at our text in 2 Peter, the third chapter and the fifth verse. Here's what it says again. For when they... Maintain this. It escapes their notice. Watch this. That by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water, and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Here the Apostle Paul says that we fail to notice that God, by his word, had formed the heavens, the heavens and the earth a very long time ago. The physical evidence of the heaven and the earth validates God's word. You are standing on God's word. You are in this space and you can see all around you as evidence that the heavens and the earth were formed and created by God's word. Now, there are some that would like to tell you Big Bang. But Big Bang had a Big Bang before its Big Bang. And before that Big Bang, that Big Bang had a Big Bang before the other Big Bang. So at some point, you get to the first Big Bang, and I'm saying that's God's word. I'm just saying that Big Bang, that first Big Bang, is God's word. God's word is a living powerful force and it contains the ability and the power to do exactly what God has purposed it to do. 
Genesis 1, verse 3, God formed the entire universe by his word when he said, let there be light. And there was light. Hebrews 11 and the third verse reminds us, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. In fact, God's word quickens the dead and calls those things that are not as though they were. God's word declares from the end, from the beginning, and from ancient times, his word declares that healing can take place when as Isaiah tells us, but he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. By God's word, we're healed. God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. God's word delivers, it comforts, it cures, it saves, it provides, it shields, it's true, it's alive, it's infallible, it's unchanging, it's eternal. And brothers and sisters, God's word never fails. So in other words, not my words, but in other words, Peter is saying that since we can see the heavens and the earth, and we know that the heavens and the earth was formed by God and by his word, then we can trust yeah. God's word. Peter says you can trust in what God says because you can see what God has done. So that's the first thing we must believe and hold on to if we're going to learn how to wait. I have been watching some folks on television and you know how people keep trying to fix themselves. <laughs> you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see, so you kind of want to make your eyebrow a little tighter. So you, so you do a little, a little tucky-tuck, or whatever they call it. And they do all of this stuff and, you know, okay, it's not quite perfect, so I want a cleft in my chin. I want a little dimple that I didn't have before. And you're doing all of these things and I'm just watching all these people. And, what they fail to realize, and in many cases, is there is cause and effect. When you start messing with the things that God has put together, you, 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 you can see what you want, but you don't know what you're going to get. And we see the same thing with, 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 with medicine. You can take this medicine that's going to deal with a particular issue, but if you listen carefully to the commercial, you take Vitruda. I made the kid out of I don't know what it is. Latruda. And it's going to make you feel like you're brand new. But side effects means that you could have nausea, vomiting, you could have this, and, and it may lead to death. And they say that so quiet. Sometimes, when you mess with the things that God had already set up a certain way, you start to get what you get because you don't understand cause and effect. I'm just saying. God knew from the beginning of time what he wanted. Yeah. God was clear on what he wanted. And somewhere in the process, we believe that we are God unto ourselves, that we can now determine what we want. And brothers and sisters, let me be pretty clear from this pulpit. What we want does not always align with God, what, with what God wants. 
But God's word can be trusted. For we can see the evidence and the result of him being the first cause. Amen. Second thing we want to talk about is God's time. Verse 8 says, but, let, but do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. Many people have read this text and have interpreted it to mean literally 1,000 years equals one day. As if to say that, okay, God is really trying to help us with our math. And because they believe 1,000 years actually equals to one day, then when God says in six days he created the heavens and the earth, then everyone jumps on the bandwagon and says it took 6,000 years to create the earth. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. I can't tell you that it's true, but I know there are people that believe that it took God 6,000 years to create the earth. Okay. I mean, it's feasible. The Bible says a thousand years is one day. It's a good argument. But, wait a second. Peter also said that a day is like a thousand years to God. So it's almost like Peter contradicted himself right there in the saying, a thousand years is a day, but a day is like a thousand. I mean, what are you saying, Peter? A day feels like a thousand years, then it means that God has been waiting for a very long time. Brothers and sisters, it can be a little confusing, but whether it's one day or a thousand doesn't matter to God. The thing that matters to God is that in the fullness of time, his word will accomplish what he will. A thousand years is like a day to God. But a day is a thousand. I'm, I'm saying don't get stuck on that. Because what Peter is really telling us is that whether it's a thousand or whether it's a day, it don't matter to God. The only thing that matters is that God's time is his time. Whatever his time may be. And, and, and we suffocate ourselves when we try to put God in a box as if we can figure God out. If you can figure God out, brothers and sisters, then you're God and not him. If God were limited to time, he would not be God. Can you imagine God creating this earth and it taking him 6,000 years to do it? When, if you read in Genesis, it's clear. God spoke. And it was. That's it. That's it. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm do a, a quick survey. Work with me, church. Stand. Now, please be seated. With one word, I cause a whole room of people to do something. Now I'm not trying to pretend to be God, but I'm saying if my little word can cause people who have a mind of their own to do whatever they want, who have the opportunity to refuse to stand, who have the, refu the opportunity to refuse anything that I've said, to comply. How much more so God when he said, let there be. And there was. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So Peter is letting us know that because God is outside of time, 
Anything God chooses to move in your life and in mine will be the right time because he controls time. So whether you're stuck on, wait a second, I've been waiting a long time for this. Okay, you may be waiting a long time, but God is not waiting. God has already purposed whatever it is that he has for you when you need it. Because if I can testify, there are some things that I've asked God for. That if God gave it to me when I asked for it, I would have, been, I would have abused it. I would have lost it. I would have been a hot mess. But thanks be to God that he waited for the right time, his time, to give me what I needed. Are you all tracking with me? Finally, verse 9. God's timing. Verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. We've already proven that God's word is true because of what he has done. And we also see that God's word is not limited to time. Now we need to understand God's timing. This is different from God's time because this now deals specifically with when God moves. See? God can say A, and it happens when he wants A to happen. But even though it's going to happen when A happens, God's timing says, I'm going to do something when it's time for A to happen. I hope you caught that. To help us, let's look at the 105th Psalm, the 16th verse to the 22nd. Verse 16 says, He called down famine on the land and destroyed all of their supplies of food. And he sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with shackles, his neck was put in irons. Verse 19. Till what he foretold came to pass. Till the word of the Lord proved him true. Let me say that again. Till what he foretold came to pass. Till the word of the Lord proved him true. The king sent and released him. The ruler of peoples set him free. He made him master of his household, ruler over all he possessed, to instruct his princes as he pleased and teach his elders wisdom. That's the 105th Psalm, verse 16 through 22. The text is talking about Joseph, who, as we all know and are familiar with the text, was sold into slavery by his brothers. Recall that Joseph had been given a vision of his future, which included not just his brothers bowing down to him, but his parents as well. And this dream did not please anyone around him, and so he was rejected and sold into slavery. You know the story. Jesus, jo- Joseph now finds himself stuck in an Egyptian prison. Joseph had carried a dream in his heart. He had carried a word from God in his soul. And it was deep within Joseph because God had planted it there. But while the manifestation of that word was delayed, that same word was testing Joseph. Joseph had done nothing wrong, but his heart had to be purified in the fiery crucible 
of an Egyptian jail cell. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, God imprisons his servants in the prison of obedience so that they can have a platform to speak to the lives of those who are in the prisons of disobedience. Are you, have you been arrested by God and placed in the prison of doing just the right things but still find yourself locked in a prison not by your own doing but by the word of God that's in you that compels you to walk a certain way, a certain line, and it causes you more persecution than not. Many of us as people of faith, we believe that if we do all the things that God is asking us to do, then our life is going to be easier than it could be. Well, that's a nice thought, but I can tell you all about a man who did everything right. Never made a mistake. Well. He did everything. As a matter of fact, he says in his word, everything you've seen me do, nothing do I do. Nothing that I do, I do unless the Father tells me. You talk about perfect obedience? Listen, this man, this brother in Galilee, did everything right. Yeah. You tell him, hey, go to the other side and cast your, your net on the other side. He did it. Heal this person. He did it. Whatever he was asked to do by God, he did it. And in the prison of his obedience is where he bled from his brow with a crown of thorns. In the prison of his obedience, he wore a cloak on a body that had been scourged and beaten. In the prison of his obedience, it led him to Calvary's tree. And in the prison of his obedience, he was nailed to a rugged cross. In the prison of his obedience, he was placed in a borrowed tomb. And in the prison of his obedience is where he lay. God has a way of putting you in a place that is burdensome for you but is the hope and deliverance for another. Wow. Wow. The truth is, many of you here, and many of us, may be in what I would term a spiritual prison. And I came to tell you that you're not necessarily in prison because of something you've done wrong, but because of something you've done right. Many of you have asked God to lift you to a higher plane of his love. Y'all have prayed those prayers. Many of you have prayed to God, Lord, increase my faith. Many of you have prayed to God, Lord, I want to be more like you. And how about my favorite? Lord, just humble me, your servant. Brothers and sisters, guess what? When you pray those kind of prayers, God answers them. And God loves to answer those prayers. Because if you ask God to humble you, he's going to force you to do something humbling. If you ask God to give you the, the heart for service, oh, he's going to make you serve. You see, God did not deal with Joseph because of his righteousness. God dealt with Joseph because of his righteousness. Did y'all get that? God didn't deal with Joseph because of his righteousness. God dealt with Joseph because of his righteousness. God made 
Sarah barren. God allowed the affliction of Job. God sent Moses through the desert for 40 years. God allowed Naomi to lose her two sons and her husband. And yes, God allowed the crucifixion of Jesus. But God opened Sarah's womb and Isaac manifested. But God, he blessed Job exceedingly and abundantly above all that he could ask or think. Moses led the Hebrews out of Egyptian bondage. Naomi became Nana to Obed, the progenitor of Jesse, the progenitor of King David. And oh yes, God raised Jesus from the dead. So the text in verse 19 again says, Till what he foretold came to pass, till the word of the Lord proved him true. Joseph stayed in prison, unfairly it seems. But he was exactly where God wanted him to be. And Joseph was being refined until God's timing became manifest. And when it was time, the text tells us, the king sent and released him. The ruler of peoples set him free. He made him master of his household, ruler over his possessions, to instruct his princes as he pleased, and to teach his elders wisdom. Brothers and sisters, here's the message. When you think about God's word, it's true. When you think about God's time, it's always right. And when you think about God's timing, it's when God moves. You know why? Because his thoughts are not our thoughts. Yep. Nor his ways our ways. Amen. For as the heavens and the earth are higher so are his ways higher than our ways and his thoughts, not our thoughts. So here's what we've learned as I prepare to close. God's word is true because it is by his word that we see the wonders of creation. God's word is timeless for there is no limit to God's word. And God's word is alive and it will not return to him void. So when we think of all the promises that God has made, we do not need to wonder or even to guess if it will come to pass, for we know that it will. And when the pressure comes and, and, and it's, it seems burdensome and insurmountable, whatever the pressures are that you're experiencing in your life, when it seems to be a bit overwhelming and exasperating, when the pressure comes, we must say to ourselves, I feel the devil has me bound, but by God's word, I'll overcome. I feel like I can't hold on any longer. But by God's word, I will make it through. I feel like an outcast. But by God's word, I'll find my way. I feel like giving up. But by God's word, I'll keep pressing on. It is only by God's word that we have not lost our ever-loving minds. And it is only by God's word brothers and sisters, that we will endure. 
This is a very simple, basic message that I want you to get. It is not by might nor by power, but by God and his spirit and his word that you're going to make it through to the next day or the next whatever. So if you can hold on, if you can hold on, if you can just hold on to God's word, his promises are true. If you can hold on, just hold on, just hold on. Guess what? God's word. God's word, God's word will hold on to you. And just like Joseph, till what he has foretold comes to pass, till the word of God proved it to be true. For the Lord, brothers and sisters, is not slow in keeping his promise to you. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.